James Cozy just wrapped up his first recruiting class as the FAMU head coach. And yes, there are certain contexts and asterisks that have to be applied to the class, but I still have a few takeaways to reveal. Oh, yeah, it's locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics. Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor and current contributing writer at USA Today's Saints Wire. Thank you for making this your first listen of the day every day going on this journey with me and make sure you remember just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over just means it's time to follow me on twitter at south exclusives starts with an s and ends with an s Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to make every moment more. And if you're new to FanDuel, you get $200 back in bonus bets if you put down a winning $5 bet. We wrap up today's episode with Feature Friday because you know what today is. And today's Feature Friday is about the partnership between five SWAC schools and Adidas superstars. Prior to that, it was a wild Monday night in the MEAC. It was a wild night. The two top teams in the conference both fell on the same day for the first time this season. But before any of this, recruiting class talk. National Signing Day was yesterday, or was it two days ago at this point? At the point I'm recording it is yesterday. At the point that you'll be hearing it, it'll be two days ago. But this is a big-time thing in college football and when you look at a school like Florida A&M, for everything that has gone on with them, I have a couple of takeaways that I wanted to reveal. In my opening, I said there's certain asterisks and there's certain context that must be applied. They were on a time crunch, okay? James Cozy was named the head coach about a, what, a week before National Signing Day, a week and a half. That's just not a lot of time. At the end of the day, that's just not a lot of time. So that is something that has to be discussed. And I have a quote about that at the end of the episode or at the end of this segment, I should say. But my biggest takeaway from the FAMU recruiting class is the transfer portal to high school player breakdown. And it was slanted towards transfer portal guys. Now, each team each coach, they have different philosophies. I like to look at North Carolina Central and Trey Oliver. Oliver is a primarily high school recruiting guy. That's something he's always beat his chest about. He likes to go into the high school ranks. Okay, that's fine. There's going to be certain coaches and teams that prefer to go foundational pieces primarily, right? You are always going to want to have high school players. That's without a question. You're always going to want to have high school players because they build a foundation. But for some, that's how they primarily like to build their team. I don't think all teams look at it that way. And if you were to go off of this recruiting class, 
then you might say James Colsey is not one of those coaches who is a primary high school recruiter. But at the same time, the context, the asterisks that I have to place upon them, I don't think that I can really judge it. There's a couple of reasons. One, well, James Colsey is very new, very, very new. So it's not enough time to really know what his philosophy would be. But then the second thing is, fam, you ain't looking at 2025 and 2026. Fam, you isn't looking at players to be, okay, what can you be as a sophomore and a junior? He said it straight up. This is what we're looking for. We're looking to win now. We're looking to repeat. That is the mentality at FAMU. It's not to say that 2025 is unimportant. 2026 is unimportant. It's to say that 2024 is way more important than anything else. They're not building towards a future. They are trying to repeat. Anything after that, they'll solve it, right? I think that there's many FAMU fans who would be okay with an all-in approach and then starting over in 2025, regardless of what happens, right? They say the iron is hot and you should strike while the iron is hot, right? So that's what we are seeing right now, a team that I believe is, and I don't even know if this is really a collegiate term. I mostly hear it in, in the professional sports, but FAMU is going all in. They've lost some pieces. They brought some pieces back. All of those things have happened. But for all intents and purposes, and maybe lack of a better term because of the playing level, FAMU is going all in on a Celebration Bowl victory. This is the second time that they've done this in the last two seasons. It just looks differently. In 2023, it was about the schedule. In 2024, it's about the recruiting class. So that's one of the biggest takeaways that I had. The second thing, because you need a quarterback. FAMU's window is 2024. And that's what makes this kind of scary is that you don't have your quarterback. You have to figure out who it is. But there was two players that really piqued my interest. And it's not the fact that they recruited two quarterbacks. It's actually a quarterback and a wide receiver from Florida Atlantic. You had Daniel Richardson and then also Aceon Cobb. Both of these players being from Florida Atlantic kind of makes me wonder if it would have an impact on the on the quarterback battle maybe they already have a chemistry if you think acion cobb is going to come in and be a big player for you then maybe you want somebody who is familiar throwing to cobb or not even want right let's not even say that because that would make it sound as if they know that he's going to be the quarterback maybe just having a player who is familiar throwing to cobb would be a benefit for that quarterback because you already have the chemistry. You're going to look good because of it. And when you look good because of it, that's when you start to make a little bit of leeway. That's when you begin to start separating yourself. Maybe it's not what fam you was looking for. Maybe they just like Richardson and Cobb. But at the end of the day, Cobb being there could be a benefit to Richardson attempting to get that that QB1 position. Now, the last thing that I want to look at is the approach to recruiting. And we spoke about this very, very briefly. The time frame that James Colsey had to recruit is going to impact his recruiting class, whether that's the number of players that you bring in, the caliber of players that you bring in. You are late to the ball game. And one of the things that I always said was that as the interim head coach, I personally assumed, I did not know, but I assumed that Colsey was on the recruiting trail especially as somebody who wanted the job. I didn't think it was easy. I didn't think it was an easy sell, but I did think he was on a recruiting trail. It appears that is not really the case, which would also tell you something. 
James Cozy said in the interim process, we weren't necessarily going out to recruit. I was more worried about our guys. We would have loved that entire month, but we won't give any excuses. All right, boom. This isn't much to read into. He was more worried about his guys than recruiting outside players. Now, maybe you had guys who entered the transfer portal and you were worried about them as well. And I would imagine telling people who have already bought into FAMU, don't sell your stock just yet, is probably an easier selling point than telling somebody who hadn't bought any stock, this is why you should value us. So maybe they just said, you know what, we're going to make sure that we keep as much continuity because that was always the word. In this coaching search that referenced James Cozy was continuity. Maybe Cozy is saying, look, we're going to keep as much continuity as we can. And then when I get the job, because, of course, he's feeling like he's going to get it, then we'll build from there. And it was only a week and a half that he had to build. But that's exactly what he did. I was a little bit surprised to hear that. I thought he still would have been out talking to players and, and some of him or he probably did that sometimes with some of the players. But for the most part, it sounds like that was not his focus, and that's not something that I expected. But I get it because it is a very difficult sell. I didn't know how effective it would be, but I was interested to hear that uh, that quote. So I wanted to end off this segment with looking at that. Now, as you push forward, Monday night was absolutely insane when it comes to MEAC men's basketball. North Carolina Central and Norfolk State, the two top teams in the conference, both fell I wouldn't say with shocking defeats, but if you look at Norfolk State, that was definitely shocking. We'll look at that as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, and FanDuel is the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. Now, if you go to FanDuel.com slash Locked On to make every moment more, you put down a $5 bet that you win, you'll get $200 back in bonus bets. Now, here's the thing. The big game is here. Let me try to name three from each team on each side of the ball. So you got Willie Gay, you got uh, Nick Bolton, you got Chris Jones. You have Dre Greenlaw, you have Fred Mc... Fred McNair. Wrong guy. <laughs> Fred Warner. And then you also have Nick Boston. And you got Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Rasheed Rice. There are so many players to put down some money on and see if you can make that money back. Now, if you're new to FanDuel and you put down a $5 bet on any of those players that I just listed and you win, you'll get $200 back in bonus bets. It's easy if you ask me. So all you have to do is go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on to make every moment more. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day. Now for your second listen, check out Locked on Sports today. It's the first of its kind, 24-7 sports network on YouTube all day, every day. You can check it out at any time. Now, this was an insane Monday in the MEAC, right? Monday night. Miag doesn't really start with a with an R, so it doesn't quite work for my wrestling, but it's okay. You get the point. Monday night Miag. Um, but you have two teams at the top of the conference in Norfolk State and North Carolina Central, and each of them walked into Monday at five and one. 
Each of them walked into Tuesday at five and two. Now, we tracked Delaware State, and we spoke about it earlier this week, the, the prove-it stretch, the four-game stretch. Now, in that, I was still looking at the other top teams. I was looking to see what would South Carolina State do. Would they be able to continue a winning streak to make themselves look like a top team? North Carolina Central, Norfolk State, they were both a part of this four-game proving stretch for Delaware State. So I was looking at that game in particular, but then also keeping an eye on what they were doing because I was kind of ready, and I don't know what hit me to say this, and I still kind of feel this to be the truth, but I was ready to just say, you know what? I know what it was. It was South Carolina State losing. Once I seen South Carolina State lose a game, it was just one, I said, you know what? It's time for Norfolk State and North Carolina Central to separate because after South Carolina State lost the game, then you look at Central and Norfolk with a two-game winning streak or a two-game lead, excuse me, in the conference. And I'm sitting there like, all right, cool. They have separated themselves record-wise, and they are the two teams that I feel like are the class of the MEAC. They're the two teams who I feel like got the top coaches. They're the two teams who I feel like, you know, especially when you're looking at Central, I feel like they got a star duo out there. This this is the two. These are the two right here. And then they go on Monday night and they lose. This is, this was crazy. The funniest part is that they lost on the same night. And, you know, they're tracking each other. It's like they wanted to keep pace with each other. And both teams could have valued from the other team losing, right? Norfolk State, they lost to Central. So having a one-game lead on the on the Eagles would really help the Spartans. And then meanwhile, you look at um, you look at North Carolina Central, who if they had a one-game lead on on Norfolk, then that tiebreaker would mean so much more. So it's it's a lot of implications in this, but they're still tied nonetheless. Norfolk State lost to University of Maryland Eastern Shore, and I think that that's the one that's shocking. We'll look at uh, North Carolina Central in a second, but Norfolk losing. To U-M-E-S, Maryland Eastern Shore, that was surprising. It's kind of similar to a couple of weeks ago when South Carolina State was able to knock off Norfolk's or was able to knock off North Carolina Central. But the difference there is there was only two games into the season. 2-0 versus 0-2 is nowhere near the same as 5-1 versus 1-5. That's a completely different conversation. That's a completely different type of situation. So when I look at this game, I'm like, man. And, and, and I'm not trying to sit here and say that the Hawks been just absolutely getting demolished, but it's not as if they lost on a bunch of buzzer beaters. That's not what happened here. So you're facing a team that I feel like you should have beat. Confidently, you should have beat. They, they were at the bottom of the conference. You were at the top of the conference. And I'm not just saying that you're around the top and around the bottom. No, literally, you had one loss. They had one win. That put them tied for last. That puts you tied for first. This was a complete discrepancy on paper, but that's why these games aren't played on paper. Now, you look at North Carolina Central. They lost to Morgan State. This isn't as much of a, you know, a shocker. This isn't, this isn't that. This is just a, I didn't think it was going to happen because I thought that North Carolina Central was the class. And their duo didn't play great that day. They didn't. Their duo did not play amazing to Cleveland and Harris. But you look at Morgan State, this was a very close game. Morgan State has won a couple of games in a row, four of their last five, right? They're in a different situation. They're kind of on a hot streak right now when you look at what they've been able to do recently. 
North Carolina Central, this was back and forth until about a couple of minutes into the, the first overtime. It was only one overtime, so a couple of minutes in the OT. And then that's when Morgan State closed on a 14-4 to stretch, and that gave them a seven-point win. But this was a very close game. So overall, you're looking at the two teams who are the class of the conference falling on the same night, not being able to separate. I was looking for them to remain separated because they already had a two-game lead on everybody else in the conference. They would have had a two-game lead on everybody else in the conference, and Morgan State wouldn't have been one game behind them. There's a lot of things that could have happened or could have changed with this outcome. So do I still believe that the Eagles and the Spartans are the best team in the MEAC? Yes, I believe those are the two, and I can't wait for them to face off yet again, right? But at the same time, they have not separated as far as records go. So I can feel how I feel, but you got to somewhat go based off of what is on the standings. And what is on the standings is now you're still at the top of the conference, Norfolk State, North Carolina Central, but at the same time, you are not separated by much. It's very compact. So while you're at five and two, you have Howard, South Carolina State, and then Morgan State, as I just mentioned, who won four out of their last five after an 0-2 start to the season. Those three teams are at four and three. And if you're Norfolk State, you just lost to how are you just North, not Norfolk State? If you're North Carolina Central, you just lost to Morgan State and you lost to South Carolina State. You're one game ahead of, so just one loss away, potentially being tied with two teams that you would lose the tiebreaker to. That's a, that's a real testy situation. I'll leave it at that. Norfolk State's a little bit different. They're tied with North Carolina Central, and that's who they lost to. And then Maryland Eastern Shore, uh, they're not catching up. They're not catching up. They're one and five, or excuse me, they're two and five now. So I, I don't know. But this is a very tight MEAC in this game or these two games. I think it really made it even more congested, but it also made it a lot more fun to track as we continue with Locked on HBCU over the weeks. And as we continue with Locked on HBCU over the day, we'll continue to look at this partnership between Adidas and then also five other SWAC schools. As wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day, making it all the way to segment three. And I thank you two times for that. Thank you. Thank you. Now, Feature Friday, Adidas. They got an HBCU collab, but really just it just feels like a SWAT collab, I'm be honest with you. But five HBCUs are partnering with Adidas and some of their superstars who have their own shoes with the company. Now, I'm not a big shoe guy, but I did find this interesting. If you know me, like, I ain't never had a pair of basketball shoes. No, I had one. But I ain't really had a pair of basketball shoes in my life. That's just not who I was. Not big on shoes just in my regular day life either, right? Like, that's not my thing. But when you have a partnership like this that I find a little bit unique, I do want to highlight it. And it leans into the Feature Friday, so I wanted to make sure we did something today. I will try to do as many Feature Fridays as I possibly can. I won't always have them. Um, like, I got one set up for March 1st where we'll look at the first and the only 
HBCU versus HBCU game in NCAA tournament history, right? Like, we'll look at that as long as nothing crazy happens. I'll make sure we do it. Could it be March 1st? It'll be Feature Friday. Like, everything's cool, and we'll do that. Now, that being said, let's get to today's Feature Friday. And there's five superstars, and I'll go through them one by one. I won't list them as is. You have Donovan Mitchell, who is partnered with Grambling. This shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody. They've been partnered up. We've seen this last year. We covered this last year for my everydayers. Donovan Mitchell and Grambling is a partnership that is not like the majority of these guys. It's just not. They already have a business relationship. Matter of fact, they just re-upped the partnership for five years not that long ago. So this is a partnership that is going to go for a few like, this isn't one that's just a flash in the pan. Oh, we want to do this one time and we're going to move on. And Donovan Mitchell has actually wore these shoes. We've seen him wear them at All-Star Weekend. So they're a little bit different. And this is the one that, to me, should stand apart from everyone except for James Harden. James Harden has a very similar situation when it comes to Prairie View. Um, for the record, I really do like Donovan Mitchell's shoes. They're called the D-O-Ns, right? The Don, but he put an acronym, D-O-N. And these are the issue fives. Issue four was last year. Now, when you look at James Harden, he has his shoes. Issue seven was last year, and he was partnered with PV at the time. Issue eight is this year. I appreciate these two guys because you see, I feel like you often see people do something with HBCUs with absolutely no follow-up. You see these all of a sudden partnerships like that's cool. And then we don't know what comes from it. We don't see a continuation of it. That's one of the reasons I appreciate the Invesco QQQ classic because Michael B. Jordan has done this now three years. So it's not just a we want to do this one time. I want my name to be associated with HBCUs because com- sometimes I feel like folks just want their name associated with HBCUs because there becomes a little bit of a stigma of the kind of person you are and all of these things. You ain't really you ain't really true to the cause, though. You ain't really trying. It's performative. I'll keep it at that. Right. I'm not going to get on no moral high horse or anything, but it's performative. All right. This is not the situation that we're looking at with Donovan Mitchell and James Harden. To me, at least, this appears to be two guys who have back-to-back years, and with Mitchell for a couple of more years, will be involved with HBCUs and partnered with HBCUs. James Harden, he's done this with PV. I wish this would have been with Texas Southern, but at the same time, that's just not how the cookie crumbles. At the same time, if you're in Houston, and he was a former Rocket, if you're in Houston, you close enough, man. Like, yeah, you can go to Third War, but at the same time, it's a lot of PV love there, too. And it's farther from the city of Houston. It's farther from where the Rockets were. But it's it's not it's not something that's ridiculous. If you're in the city of Houston, going to PV to partner with them makes sense. It's a clear connection. That's one thing Harden has. He has a clear connection, at least geographically, that nobody else has. Now, the ones that I'm most excited for is the AE1s, Anthony Edwards, one of my favorite players, right? And he's partnered with UAPB. I did see him and Harden are the only two that I saw specifically say, not the player, but the the situation I specifically saw, that those shoes will be with the men's and women's basketball team. I, I can't speak for the other three. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. But I did see it specified for Edwards and Harden. Now, my thing about Edwards is, I like him on the court. 
extremely uh, charismatic off of the court. And the reason I bring up his off the court charisma is because they've been doing a really good job. Adidas, Adidas has been doing a really good job promoting these Anthony Edwards shoes, the AE ones, right? I told you I'm not a shoe head. I don't be, I'm not a sneaker head that clearly, right? I just said shoe head, but I'm not a sneaker head or anything like that. I'm not tracking these type of things, especially not no basketball shoes. Cause I, man, I can't even ball, right? I, I can't even shoot for it. Like that's not my thing, but these, I can't escape. I keep saying, seeing the AE ones everywhere. So I like them. They look good. Real basic, right? Simplistic two color um, pattern way. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm fan. I ain't gonna lie to you. I'm a fan of it, and it looks good with the black and gold that you got on UAPB, and then the the uh, the logo was on the side too. So these are shoes that I'm looking forward to, and I, I'm just a fan of it, right? Because I like the the way it looks. I like the colors that they chose. Because I'm a black and gold guy, as you know. You see it, Saints Wire. Anyway, the other two that I don't really have too much to say about, those are the three that I had to say, Edwards, Harden, and then Mitchell. But then you also had Trey Young with Alcorn. And this one, I was like, maybe he's just doing swag schools, man. Because why, why Trey ain't go to Morehouse? He in Atlanta right now. Matter of fact, he's the only one. He's the only one in a, in a city that actually has an HBCU. He could have just went to Morehouse. I would have preferred him to go to Morehouse. But whatever, he went to Alcorn. Damian Lillard, he went to Alabama State. Not too much to really say about these. I didn't really like Trey Young's shoes, to be honest. Um, Dames were <sighs> shrugged. Like, I actually liked Harden's, Edwards, and Mitchell's. So not only did I have something to say about them, I also liked the shoe, period. So I hope that you like my show, period. I hope that you ain't saying, eh, I like on HBCU. I mean, it, it's it's a HBCU show, but you know what I'm saying? Ain't, yeah, man. I hope that's not what you say when you tell people. Hopefully, you're like, man, I like HBCU content, and I really like uh, Locked on HBCU and that guy Darian Gray, a.k.a. the mouth of the South. But if that's what you're saying, and you're trying to keep up with me in the meantime, in between time, because we are about to go on the weekend, and we'll be back for Monday, and all you have to do is follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives X Twitter. You know what I'm talking about. Until the next time that we hear each other, family. Take care. Stay blessed. Peace.